Welcome to Feel Feelings with Danny and George, the show that talks about feelings and the things that make you feel them. All right, well, we are recording, but have we started is the question. Hey, George. I guess we have. I guess we've started. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So as we were talking about off mic, I have a lawnmower that has one headlight. It's great. I've named it Jacob Dylan. <laughs> Do you always mow the lawn at night now? Like No, it's it's just when I get home and in between dinner and everything like and i only did the front yard i usually wait for them both to grow at the same time and then i do like a, a marathon whole house mow but uh listen i got i got things to do i got podcasts to do i have guests to talk to yeah we have a wonderful guest this week it is an old dear friend of mine emma mciver welcome to the show hello i am emma mciver i am america's favorite non-binary part band Empire flibber to gibbet, and I am pleased to be doing the flibber to gibbet because I love to talk, and I'm pleased to be like doing the Dan Getz hat trick. That's true. Yeah, my... you've done all of them at this point. Oh, really? Yeah. So wow, this is the, the, the jewel in the crown. I really want to know, uh, and, and I just, I just, I want to support and I want to be an ally. But what color flag is the flibber to gibbet? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know the color combo. It's it's <laughs> not a color. It's a flapper dress. Nice. Oh, Ooh. just to hang that from a pole. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be yeah, any color. Out there, I like it. It's just it's just a word I use, and I would describe a lot of my femme friends as flipper to gibbets over the years. Mm. And when I you know came out as non-binary, I'm like I'm kind of crazy and love to talk a lot. I'm gonna claim that for myself. I'm gonna like. Is it an actual word, or is it just something that's kind of yeah. come together? Over no, it's years? it's like it's one of those old timey words. That... Is it an emotion? Because we may change up the yeah. whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you guys sometimes pull up the official Dan. If you want to pull up the official definition, and um, so I'm actually here to actually promote something, and this is my first time ever promoting a thing. Yeah, so, you are um, you are mid Kickstarter. If you want to tell everybody what this Kickstarter is, while I look up. Uh, you want to spell flipperty gibbet for me? Oh, no, I, I, I already got it. Okay, oh, let's go get the definition out of the way. Yep, yeah, a frivolous, flighty, or excessively talkative person. I won't call up Dictionary Man for that, but that's fantastic. I love, I love a word that I'm willing to bet was invented by uh, C.S. Lewis. <laughs> it's, it's like it strikes me as a jazz age word. It's on. They say it on Boardwalk Empire once, but anyway. So yeah, I am doing my first ever Kickstarter. I am a writer. I live in LA, trying to break into TV, but I, way back in sixth grade, the first thing I ever wanted to do was be a playwright. And the last time I put on a play was 15 years ago in 2008 in the Philly Fringe. And here we are, I'm here in LA trying to figure out the thing to do to like get my name out there. And I was like, I want to get back to my roots and I want to do a play. So my play is called Monster in the Closet, colon, a love story. And it's about, this is a world where people use, monsters have come up from the center of the earth and we have employed them as nocturnal behavioral coaches for adolescents. So people, you know, your kid's misbehaving in school, you hire a monster and you get that out of it. So, but 
these monsters, they don't like live in the kids' closets, but they do live in closets. They rent people's closets. So monsters both live and work in closets, but do not live in the closets they work in. Which brings us to Yvonne. Yvonne is your classic distraught millennial, kind of a flipper to gibbet herself. And she's really broke. She needs Does it say that to... in the script? <laughs> I think distraught millennial is in the stage directions. But um, <laughs> anyway, so like Yvonne's like, I need to like get some more money, but I live in a studio. So she decides to sublet her closet. And who shows up but Gronzor, one of these aforementioned nocturnal behavioral coaches. And as things happen to do, when people are in close quarters and get along, they fall in love. So you have this uh, this romance between this closet monster and this this woman named Yvonne. And because it's a drama, there needs to be conflict. And eventually they find out they have a shared past they were unaware of, which calls into question the appropriateness of their relationship and intentions and all that sort of stuff. And as this is happening, Gronzor is becoming a famous hockey mascot and people want him to do TV shows. And so that's sort of the play. We're trying to raise $5,000. It stars, I'm playing Gronzor because I don't know. Because uh, you're a monster. Because <laughs> I was like going to direct, I am a monster and I feel like a monster. And that's where a lot of this play comes from as a non-binary person assigned male at birth. And I'm tall, broad-shouldered person with a deep voice, as you can hear. Um, I feel like a monster a lot of the time. And I feel like I'm put in a lot of positions and places where I never feel comfortable. So Gronzor is very much that part of me. And Yvonne's another part of me that's like really insecure and can kind of latch onto the wrong people. So, you know, this play is, it's a giant therapy thing. But Yvonne <laughs> is being played by... I love um, describing art as a big therapy thing. <laughs> it's getting me through something. <laughs> that's all it is. And what really kind of, this was a play, they started as a, a sketch that never got picked by my sketch team a few years ago, but I liked it. And I hung on to it. I expanded it into a one-act play that I never showed anyone. Then last summer, I my one of my pilots had a reading at the Outfest Film Festival. Um, and the woman who starred in it, she was playing a fictionalized version of my younger sister, who's a trans woman. Um, Dan knows my little sister. Yeah. Uh, we were living together when, uh, when she yeah. came out. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a whole, oh my God. So anyway, so anyway, my younger <laughs> sister's name's Vanyamana. I wrote a pilot about me and her. And then playing my sister was Griffin Kelly. And Griffin Kelly is a fantastic actress. She's going to be a star. We get along what's, super well. What's the name of her show that you're always sharing? Because it seems yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Griffin's great. We wanted to work on a project together. And then she started doing developing this one-woman show called Two Cats on a Date, which I originally saw as a 10-minute sketch where it's, her, you know, playing two cats on a date. And it's sort of like a clown mime thing. And then she's like, I'm going to do this as a, a full-length show. And it's incredible. She's playing like a, a cat cast of dozens. And it does all these interesting things about family and audience interaction. And it's just hilarious and wonderful. And I got to see her develop that from August through up until now. Um, and I just, it kind of inspired me because like, I want to work with Griffin. I see what she's done with a 10 minute sketch. I'm going to take my thing and make it a full play and we can start it together. And Griffin has already done so much with two cats on a date. It's currently, she's currently just landed in Edinburgh for the Edinburgh fringe festival oh, there. And they did the Hollywood fringe here. They just sold out a show at the Elysian theater, which is a hip spot out here that I used to work at. 
And I know that place. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have oh man. One street in Anaheim, <laughs> in California. I I wish I saw more of California when I was there, but I was there for work. We can get in. We can get into California. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, it's such a weird vibe here right now. But anyway, yeah, Griffin's great. I'm really excited, and there's all these other really cool people I've met um, through my screenwriting group, through the Outfest Film Festival, through just all these cool places. And I'm bringing people together. It's my first time doing this, and I'm really excited to have a project back out there again. And I'm going to be playing a monster. We're going to make a monster costume for me. And there's puppets. That is the part and... that I'm the most excited for. Because I, I have read through most of the first act of this play, which was one of those things. I'm not a fast reader. And you sent it to me. I didn't see it until a half hour ago. And I'm literally on page 33 of 44. Like, I am flying through this thing. And it is yeah. so fun. And I cannot wait to see the design of this character. Well, I can, well, your podcast listeners can't see, but here's my, my hand drawing of Gronzor, uh, you know, sort of a, a big blue, blue this is a blue. picture on the, uh, on the Kickstarter. So yes. uh, I would definitely head over to the Kickstarter, throw some yeah. money and, and George talking to the mic. And then you get to see the picture. I hate yeah. that this mic is one directional. It's yeah, this weird. Harry I can see how close you are to it. <laughs> yep. And it's like Next. volumes up pretty high. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I definitely head over to the Kickstarter. You get a really nice Snapchat. I really want to commend you on creating what I think, from what you're describing, is an amazing conglomeration of like it's like a it's like a what what do you call that 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 like from the secret where you put a bunch of pictures on a board. Vision uh, board. Vision yes. board. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this vision board on the Kickstarter real quick. We have <laughs> we have Monsters Inc. With yep. Boo and and Sully, we have. What, what was it in the pitch? Where it's like it's based on this, but it's not because it's yeah, not yes. Pixar. <laughs> yeah, this is that's, this is that's not... something we can relate to heavy on this show. Yeah, yeah um, uh, and... there's there's shared images with I believe it's Labyrinth. Yep, Labyrinth. Uh, um, I believe it's a photo from the Oscar film Tar. Tar. tar? Yeah. I uh, my my elevator pitch is Monsters Inc. meets Tar, which <laughs> that is, is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a picture of famous historian Wishbone, the dog. He's uh, been everywhere. Katy Perry yeah. and Elmo. Yep. Uh, in one photo, and, and Gritty. And then just Gritty. a little bit farther down, we have uh, Christine McConnell, which is like a Halloween comfort show. Oh my god, that show rules! That show is so fucking incredible. Because like when I was kind of developing this, that had just come out, and I'm like, I can't believe this show exists. It like <laughs> broke my brain. It's on yeah, Netflix, it weird, six episodes. Like, going back was... and looking at like where she came from, I was like, this is how you get a show. Oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, and I've just to speak to Wishbone. So why Wishbone is in there is um, Yvonne, I needed to like give Yvonne like a what? And she's a writer because, you know, it's one of those kinds of things where I'm working on my shit. And I was like, <laughs> what does she want? What's her dream project? And I'm like, and 15 years ago, I come up with an idea where it's like, what if we did Wishbone, but it was contemporary literature, like Fight Club and <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. And I'm like, I'm going to have Yvonne talk about that. And it was something that had been in a comic I drew, but I'm like, I'm just going to take this 15 year old idea and put it in here. And like, I love Wishbone. And then there's actually like eight, there's like this movie that, because now Mattel owns Hollywood and they're pitching this like A24 movie about Barney with what? the guy from Get Out, and I'm like, I'm no. Both excited and not excited for it. Like, I I would love the concept that keeps being said, but I also yeah. would just 
prefer Barney to be Barney. Like, go make that other movie. Just don't call it Barney. Do a yeah. Do a whole other thing with it. It's more well, fun. Death this, I guess Death to Smoochie exists. Um, Death to Smoochie yeah. already exists. It rules. <laughs> that would be so good. Give me Smoochie. But yeah. Yeah. Um, God, I forgot what it was. Something from the vision board I wanted to talk about. Oh, there was Wishbone. There was Katy Perry. Gritty. <laughs> Gritty. Oh, so, yeah. That whole Gritty. Katy Perry part is great. <laughs> Yeah, well, gritty is because like when I was first expanding this, that's that's when gritty kind of started to exist, and there was like obsession with him. I'm from Philly, um, but I'm not a sports person, but I I find mascots fascinating, and like gritty then becoming this like anti-fascist symbol, and I'm like uh, I don't know. And we talk a lot about representation these days, and I'm like, well, mascots are usually monsters, but they're not played by monsters. So, so what in my world, you know, I can you know have this thing where it's like, oh. Bronzor, my monster, has lived monster experience, and he can be the first monster to actually be a hockey. I don't know. It's fucking dumb. I'm really excited to do it. And... It's, it's fucking dumb, but when I read that part in the script, I was like, this rule. Yeah. This, <laughs> it's the this right kind show, of dumb. From the outside looking in, I have read nothing of it. The amount that I know <laughs> is what people will know from reading the Kickstarter description, and I think this is a project with a lot of yourself put into it and a lot of heart and a lot of love. Uh, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. So everybody give give all your money. Yeah, yeah go pledge. Yeah. When this comes out, there will be a little over a week left. Yeah. About 10 days, so, yeah. 11 days. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, the campaign pledge by August 18th, if you want to be interested and you know, and yeah, cool. So, but yeah, we're going to do a, this isn't a, interview show for like we're not this isn't jimmy fallon this is feel feelings it can be wait hold on you want it to be jimmy fallon say something play beer pong oh. <laughs> well actually okay so funny. So Thanks here's, for coming. here's a funny here's a funny thing i actually have a positive jimmy fallon so i want to give him credit because when i moved to la in 2015 my first job was at universal studios as a write-up at shrek 4d and as part of your tr- training you go on the studio tour and part of like their stupid bullshit is like jimmy fallon like wants to do part of the training video on the tour and he fucks it up (laughs) and then like that same week jurassic world came out and on the jurassic world tour in the movie there's a bit where jimmy fallon is in a like a tour video and he fucks up and it was this wonderful meta moment so i am (laughs) now pro jimmy fallon Fallon i I haven't seen either of those things but i I've heard he sells it in a way that seems real, and it just, I didn't buy it. But hearing your praise, I'm like, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched like a late night show since like 2010. But, um, I'm going to be 100% yeah. honest with you. I, I try not to. I like, I like a few here and there. I'm a big Seth Meyers guy. I, I appreciate Seth Meyers' candor. However, TikTok has been serving me a lot of old Craig Ferguson clips. Uh, oh he's man, the best that man oh, was the goat yeah. <laughs> he needs his my, show he needs a show back <laughs> yeah my well he had a skeleton sidekick jeff that i love jeff, jeff and anytime <laughs> and i've like watched he has interviews and with shirley horse. manson or because they're both scottish and they talk and it's just like the most delightful thing have you ever watched the one with him and lewis capaldi not lewis capaldi uh uh peter capaldi peter no but that does sound like Primo Ferguson. It's very Ferguson, and they played in an 80s punk rock band together in Scotland. I think I knew that. Yeah, and and there's there's a great story of them talking about how they both took 
uh, some sort of psychedelic separately and then found each other to try to get the other one to help them through it. And they were like, I can't. I'm too high on psychedelics as well. That's amazing. Oh my anyway, God. I think it's so... time for lightning round. Oh, let's do the Lightning McQueen <laughs> lightning round. Uh, no, no song yet. <laughs> also unaffiliated with Pixar. Yeah, there's like no Adam's Pixar. Project. No Pixar involved. <laughs> Very yeah. affiliated with DreamWorks. Yep. Yeah, it's currently I live next to uh, the American Dream Mall where there is a Shrek Swamp, uh, Shrek Swamp water park. So we are affiliated with that. That is what we are affiliated with. Yeah. Casey wouldn't let me propose to her there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Em, what makes you feel surprised? Short answers now. We'll talk about it more after we're done. All six. When people show up to a social event, I invited them to. What makes you feel sad? Being far away from people I love. What makes you feel anger? Uh, to betray my LA-ness, um, <laughs> streaming and just everything that's going on in the TV and film industry right now. It's so sad. Pay the yeah. writers. Angry. Pay the Was writers. that angry? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. What makes you feel fear? Uh, never having a partner. What makes you feel disgust? Uh, people being inconsiderate of like the emotional reality of others. And last one, what makes you feel joy? Seeing my friends perform and, you know, returning to performing myself. All right, so I want to start with the anger one anger towards the the streaming stuff because as, as a person who was kind of reaching goals that you'd been set like you had set for yourself for a while and now you're up against this kind of stagnant nothing can happen like how does how does that feel how is that affecting that was, you it's just like yeah um i guess i'm not someone who's in the writer's guild yet i haven't like ever been support staff in a writer's room or anything but i was this past year, I've started like meeting a lot of those people and feeling more comfortable in my skin and knowing people who are being directly affected by this, who have been out picketing every day. And just the whole streaming bubble, I've been seeing it all leading to this moment since like 2016, when I heard Netflix is going to start building their own content library. And I'm like, oh, no, everyone's going to want the same thing. And they did. And I actually work at a wealth management firm um the, my job is check, check deposit how do i get wealth how do can you give me wealth yeah can you just deposit one of those can checks you please give else? us wealth? oh my god there's like stuff that come but anyway like, like I welcome see, to free I, money podcast <laughs> and i know i like i see residuals and like you know famous like i see like how the difference is between like we were so fucking dumb to do streaming it's great and we have the technology but it would just it destroyed the ability of anyone to earn money and like it's not like these big studios are making money they're all just they're hiding their numbers because they're worse than they're probably letting on it's i don't know it's a oh, mess there's so much of that yeah mm -hmm. yeah and like that's why they don't want to like i don't know i just i don't want to say here's but you know it's just it's like i don't know it's just sad because it doesn't seem like there's a easy resolution and a lot of people are out of work and i just i'm like someone who's like let's sit down and figure it out until we can you know so it's good for everybody. Yeah. And that's just not how we are set up as a society. 
No, we have to like force the change through uh, yeah. inconvenience, and yeah. I completely stand by it. Uh, uh, but it's like it's like we this could have been arranged if we just tried a little harder on yeah. on the millionaire side. I have uh, I have a cousin that lives out in L.A. Uh, who moved out there to do film. Uh, he is a a trans person that is doing his damn best, and he works at two different jersey mics like that's not why he went out there to connect him he can come on the um trans non-binary creatives hike that we used to do before the strike i will absolutely let him know we will uh, connect because that's how uh, i i'm trying so i was in um i was in a couple things here and there but that gave me a imdb page and i was able to oh, edit right. it and we've and we've made a, a pact that as soon as i can edit it we're just gonna because we're the only two family members with an imdb page so that's our that's our <laughs> one trivia fact is that i'm related to ash aaron lavaca <laughs> and then we just hang out in movies um but like that and then i recently got to go see an old friend that currently works on the east coast in film uh he works for a, a late night show that films in New York. Uh, I don't know how specific it can be, but um, Craig Ferguson. It's Craig <laughs> Ferguson. Uh, no, but he's he's a great friend. Um, Dan might know him as the former sound man from Cave in Philly. <laughs> sure. Uh, but he, uh, I, I was hanging out with him, and we just like met outside of Madison Square Garden because I there was a Drake show, and he was like, "Oh, meet me outside of Madison Square Garden. Some crazy shit's happening outside the Drake show." And I was like, "So how you been?" He was like, "Oh, I've been doing nothing." Uh, luckily, my boss has been very kind to like fit the bill for the rest of the workers and writers. But like, he's gonna have to move to Jersey if he can't, and he lives in Manhattan. Like, it is easy for him to get to and from work. Like, in order to live in proximity, you have to spend thousands of dollars, and if you're not spending that amount of money to pay your workers to live and feed themselves, then there is something wrong, and you need to take the initiative to try to fix that terrifying because a lot of my people i know are showrunners assistants or they're people who just got their first script and part of the problem is with all this streaming stuff is they're back they have this backlog of stuff so it's just it's made it impossible for people to build their career mm -hmm. and it's just oof, i don't know um stuff and i can totally see why why there's such a visceral anger amongst that community amongst the the workforce of this yeah, and it's just I don't know. I'm and I'm lucky that I'm I'm kind of actually lucky to that I have not have broken in yet because I still have my dumb, stupid day job. Yeah, <laughs> where I get yeah. to see I don't know. Yeah, I like I've seen uh, I I'm not gonna say any names. We'll talk later. <laughs> I've yeah, seen for... some absurd I've seen some absurd profit participation checks for people who should not be getting them. Sure. Yeah. That's, yeah, I, that's part of it. It sucks. I mean, I, I exist solely on TikTok because, you know, I have a short attention span and need it. And the amount of people that are like, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to scab because I need the money uh, is insane. Insane that like they can just hold that over them and just go like, yeah, that's how I'll live. And then that chapter of my life will be over. Yeah, I'll just be done after that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you follow the green arrow on TikTok, I take it. I do. I do follow that man. And what a putz. What a fucking putz. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that man. <laughs>
well, he is a wrestling heel, so it was sort of it fits the character. I get. I hope he tries <laughs> to fucking use that as an excuse for his shitty behavior. <laughs> I yeah, also all, hope that immediately after that video went viral, fucking Fran Drescher got him on the horn and was like, "How fucking dare you!" <laughs> I love how pre that speech, everyone was like, "I don't think Fran Drescher is a great president," and after that speech, everybody was like, "Fran Drescher for life." <laughs> it is weird because there are two kind of factions there's the kind of more working actors faction and then there's the i guess the faction fran drescher represents and i once went to a fundraiser for matthew modine a couple years ago okay and everything my... i've heard is that he would have been great he would have been he would but like so we like went to see stand up at one of the places that lots of stand-ups go to that's like well, i don't know but anyway my friend bob and jess came from philly and they were just kind of there and a celebrity friend of mine gave us a ticket. He like forced them on me. Um, mm. And then like they were doing like an auction before it. And my friend Bob, who's a quite, quite the fellow was like jokingly bidding, but they were trying to like wrap up the bidding. So Bob and his wife, Jess accidentally bought like a Hawaiian vacation at this fundraiser oh, yeah. for Matthew Modine's run for SAG, which he did not succeed at. Um, <laughs> That's well, I awesome. hope Hawaii was nice. That's they crazy. eventually I, went. It got delayed because so, of COVID. How anyway. uh, how how does that work? I mean, we maybe we shouldn't talk about it, but like, I did not know that it was a run like a politician. Oh, it's a campaign. Race. Yeah, it's a oh, campaign. Yeah, I didn't realize that because yeah. to my core, when Fran Drescher came on my TV and said that we are striking, I went, "That's interesting that she thinks she has the power to do that. She's just Fran <laughs> Drescher." And then the little thing on the bottom of the screen came up and it said SAG after president. And I lost my shit. I called my mom. I was like, Cindy, do you know who the president of SAG is? And she was like, I don't know. Some Hollywood executive was like, no, 90s sitcom star Fran Drescher, the woman that I've told you that you sound like since I was a child. <laughs> that lady well, from that one scene of Spinal Tap? Yeah. So here's two, two things. Um, first of all, like I had multiple people be like, Fran Drescher's the president of SAG, but for me, it's like, of course, Fran Drescher's the president of SAG. Um, <laughs> oh, it's like also, the right level. Everybody who's ever been president of SAG was famous once. Like, was what's weirder is, um, the little you know the little boy from the nanny, just yes. the one being nanny. He was my boss when I worked at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. He was like the boss of Harry Potter land. That rules. Good for him. I mean. I mean, yeah, we only spoke once and it wasn't cordial. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he was boss. someone who like aged out of being a kid actor, was like a tour guide at Universal while he was auditioning and then went up through the ranks and was like in charge of when they opened the Harry Potter park. Weird. Um, I guess that's time. a success story. <laughs> All right. I'm looking through the presidents and I'll just I'll I'll pipe in when I see someone that is interesting, and I've already seen two. But let's go to a different emotion. James Cagney and Ronald Reagan were both presidents of SAG. Yes, they were. Fucking Reagan. A. Reagan was president during the last time writers and actors were both on strike, and it was over residuals. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Charlton Heston. That's the only reason I know that, is that was, like, recent trivia, yeah. Ed Asner, Patty Duke. Patty Duke, uh, Sean Astin's mom? It must be. Dan, let's delve into another one of my emotions. All right. Um... Let's do disgust. Let's uh the uh the inconsiderate one. Let's uh William let's delve Daniels. Into that. Good for him. Yeah, um, Mr. Feeney. 
I'm sorry. So, Kit? <laughs> and I guess what I was kind of like talking around there is just this whole year for, you know, trans and queer and gender non-conforming people has been terrifying and exhausting. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just, but it's like, I don't know. It's what my big moment for me, I had known trans people, someone who did theater, I had known trans people since I was like 12. Um, but when my, as Dan referenced, my sister came out as a trans woman in 2012. And it was weird for me because she, this was someone we shared a room for eight years. I knew everything about her and I'm like, I did not see it coming. And that was my moment of being like, oh, how I'm objectively viewing existence is not everyone else's. It's like, you have to be able to like step outside yourself and realize people aren't seeing the world the same as you. And that's what really kind of like broke my, how I saw the world in half and helped me on my own gender journey eventually. Um, and what I wrote about in my pilot, I love you like a brother, which is available to read. Which is great. <laughs> um so weird that i'm talking yeah anyway um but like all these people like shooting up bud light cans and you know trying to fundraise off this shit it's just it's people being themselves we're america we're the country of freedom it's it's when you're changing how you present your gender identity whether it's through something as simple as makeup or your hair or surgery or hormone you know any anything it's it's you making a choice to make you feel free mm -hmm. as an adult. That's what we're here for. And just that people are just so ignorant of that. It's ah, it's just let people live as themselves. It's not affecting you. Yeah. Um, 100%. The, the more anyway. frustrating side of that for me is seeing how obviously disingenuous the people are kind of leading the charge just because they know that the people who are going to follow aren't really paying that close of attention they're just kind of getting their cues and going along with it that like they know that they can make profit by stirring kind of fear and hatred of kind of anything other that they're yeah. just doing it like whether they care about it or not is irrelevant it's the other du jour unfortunately yeah like it's weird i thought we you know it felt like things were in a good place but um you know Anyway, well, it's it kind of is you kind of see it with like popular media where all of a sudden like gay culture was becoming a regular part of popular media, so you couldn't really yeah, attack gay Grace. culture anymore. So all of a sudden, you had to pick a new other, and that becomes trans people. And as trans people start to kind of be part of popular culture, that'll go away. And unfortunately, I mean, I don't know how to predict what it'll be. But they'll just move to another group, and it's it's just perpetual, like the incredibly frustrating. You, the fact that you don't understand that it's aliens is shocking. I mean, I would hope so. It's aliens. As soon as they show up, at least up, it's legitimately like, other. I don't like them grays, and it's gonna be racist. Like we used grays as a terminology, and then they're gonna make we're they're gonna make us not be able to say gray. <laughs> well the kind of circled like the one i haven't picketed that much for the strike because i have a day job but i went they did a trans takeover day um outside netflix our arch nemesis um uh, is that the studio that cut all the trees down or was that universal no that's universal yeah God, it fucking blew my mind but <laughs> continue I, also Sorry. just to, to sidetrack real quick the fact that i know all of these stories compared to the strike of a few years ago 
there's such better kind of transparency on the people striking for what they actually want and what's happening in response. Well, what's well, what's funny is, yeah, because that was like 2000, 2007, 2009. That was like right at the edge of social media being a factor. Yeah. But the big change there was Nikki Fink uh, from Deadline Hollywood Daily was reporting on everything. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of that was how I experienced that strike. And she's passed away. And I'm kind of sad that we're not getting her take. But anyway, so I went to Trans Takeover Day at the Picket Lines of Netflix, and it was really cool. And Someone there gave a quote to Variety about how there are no trans people really in comedies and half-hour sitcoms and stuff, and like, there's not really a trans movie star yet. And that's um, I've since doing Outfest Screenwriting Lab. It's getting to meet people. Um, credible person I want to mention, Jet Garrison. He directed my reading. Um, he, he's connected me to so many wonderful people. And there's also this I don't know I don't know who your listeners are, but if you're a, a a queer person in LA, there's this great class called Act Now that I just took, taught by Rain Valdez. She's an Emmy-nominated actress. She was on Transparent. Um, I forget the name of her show. But anyway, she's great. There's this great class. I'm just plugging that. I'm going to plug a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's that has no, nothing totally to do cool. with Philadelphia. But, uh, um, no, we're, we're universal. We go everywhere. Yeah, we're everywhere, but anyway, man. But, you know, but it's like, yeah, anyway... Hopefully, hopefully we're giving shit to aliens in a few years. We gotta. <laughs> They're new and different. We don't like it. Um, it's uh, it's it's good to see that the trans community is is you know speaking up because like only five years ago were we still casting fucking Eddie Redmayne as a trans woman. We were still casting like there are people. I mean, didn't they just have this whole thing with Snow White where? They like cast them as like, uh, look, they're they're tall now. There's and, one little person of all the seven dwarves, yeah, and they're all just kind of like a traveling band of weirdos that live in a cave or some shit. It's just it's it's if there's represent there's people that can tell that story, uh, and the fact that we're still like, but we need a big name. Like, why are we still you know fucking twiddling the cigar and stuff, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, economics. Yeah, it's, and as, uh, and as all... a straight as a straight white man across the entire country, probably not the person to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I all was I listening to last. Uh, I heard on your animation. I heard on a previous podcast about your your cousin Ash and how you will shame your family members on Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, all the time. About and um, that was they'll really... do uh, they'll do uh, she he and I went ah oh, you only get two more now. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great bet. Uh, Running out of chances. It. Yeah. He texted me earlier today because he was at Amoeba and he was like, do you want anything? I'm like, stop spending your money. <laughs> Please. Uh, you need to be I safe. <laughs> I miss old Amoeba. Um, That's what he said. He said the new one's really, really small. Yeah, it's only one floor. Oh, yeah, old Amoeba was like vast and intimidating in such a cool way. <laughs> I, only, ever got, I only I only got to see it on the what's in my bag. <laughs> oh yeah, that is not as fun. Again, I saw one street in Anaheim, and that that's not true. I saw a rail yard where a comedy theater was in Santa Monica, and that was those are the things I see. When you come out here, I will take you to so many different movie theaters and tell you about different movies that. I've seen there because that's what I do when people come. Perfect. I would love absolutely. But we'll love that. we'll yeah. jog. Well, no, oh, we'll hike in. And then I did uh uh what is it um 
uh, Brothers Cousins in Carson City, the Mexican place that's in a parking lot. Sure. Okay. That sounds correct. I went to a Mexican restaurant when I was out there two years in a row, and it was like almost literally a year apart. And the second time, the bartender remembered me from the year before. (laughs) That was pretty cool. And that's how you (laughs) met Meg, anyway. Uh Yeah. All right, I think it's time to uh, spin the wheel and figure All out right what on. we're doing for the, the second I legit half don't know what the feeling is. Yeah, and this is something no one ever does. You legit don't no. know. <laughs> no, it is not. This is this is exciting. Roll tape. And we got calm. I know it's an opposite emotion, but the fact that it's actually a surprise this time, I want, I want, uh, Dan, put this in post. I want hip hop horns. I want the bam, 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 bam. Bam, bam, bam. That's what Just I go want. Heavy on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we will be right back to talk about what makes M feel calm. friends and weirdos i'm meg and i'm Alyssa, and we're the hosts over at the podcast real chills do you love the unexplained do you listen closer for things that go bump in the night if so real chills podcast is for you the best part is all our stories are true you can check us out on spotify and if you have a story you'd like to share email us at realchillspodcast at gmail.com Hey everybody, Danny here with Plugs. You can obviously check out Emma's Kickstarter, Monster in the Closet, a love story. The link is in the show notes, but if for whatever reason the links don't work on the apps you're using, which happens from time to time, you can go to Kickstarter and search Monster in the Closet, a love story. Definitely help this one get off the ground. I've read the first act, and this show is going to be so good. It's such an achievement. I cannot wait for this show to go up. It's going to be just the best. You can follow Emma MacGyver85 for any updates on the project, on the Kickstarter, on the show once it gets going. Definitely recommend doing that. Lots of fun stuff over there. Otherwise, George's show, Spin to Freaking Wheel, is back on Tuesday this week at Absinia, part of Case Comedy. That show is ridiculous and so much fun. And last time they did it there... You had some audience participation that <laughs> made the show so much different and crazier than it's ever been, which is saying a lot for that show. Go check it out because you never know what's going to happen. Of course, for me, this week is the start of the Ghosted Tour. We kick it off in Providence on Friday. So if you're in that area, come check it out. We go Providence to Boston to Salem to Burlington, Vermont. So if you are in any of those areas over the next week and a half, come out and check out this show. It is always a hit. The performers are always so funny. We stacked every lineup with the best local comics in every one of these places. And some of them are already teasing the sets they wrote for their friends. And honestly, I could not be more excited for this tour. I hope to see you all there if you are in the New England area. As for George and I, we are at Feel Feelings Pod 
on all the places. While you're browsing around following all the locations, you could also like, share, rate, and review. That does a great deal of good for us, and we always love to read them. And that is it for the week. Back to the show. M, what makes you feel calm? This is actually something I've been thinking about lately and trying to practice more conscientiously um, is being calm because I'm a very, I think like 90% of your guests, an anxious, anxious person. And um, yeah, fair. <laughs> but like that doesn't serve me. And that's the kind of thing I've learned in my actual therapy, my non performing therapy of like, how does that thing serve you? And like, that's helped me be calm. And Ooh, how do I feel calm? Listening, well, listening to music is a huge part of just kind of disappearing. What are you listening to? I was gonna say, what is your calm music? Because I know most of your music tastes, but I'm not sure where the the calm would would fall. Calm. Well, I'm actually like one of my big calm records is. I know this is a, a Danny gets favorite is uh, "Give Up" by the Postal Service. It is my go-to answer for what's my favorite record. <laughs> and well, I guess also I listen to this isn't music, but it's binaural beats, which is something that's like really helped. It's like this oh, thing, yeah, yeah. supplementable things. Um, and I just I, I, every lunch break now, I go down to my car and I just put those on and I kind of lie there and I think and I'm awake, but I'm just I feel different afterwards. Um, actually, <laughs> this is. Music wise, this is something I wanted to plug that is not an actual thing, but I just made a 10 hour playlist. Nice. Oh, yes. My um, 10 I hour. Feel like everybody auto- should explore this project. My 10 hour autobiographical playlist called Getting to Know M, Getting to Know All About Them. <laughs> and nice. I got weird because I was like, I met a new friend and I'm like, I want to exchange music tastes. And I'm like, I'll do like 20 songs to kind of say who I am. But then it quickly became like 10 hours worth of music and it was weird charting the different years of my life and was what was going on there dan you were represented on there by an andrew jackson jihad song yes i was the the (laughs) the the, what is it the the michael jordan of drunk driving played his final game tonight yeah (laughs) that is oh my god it's one of the funniest things i've ever heard in a song and it's so incredibly dark So a song that really, when I was exercising and like going to the gym a lot, which you need to start doing again, whatever, be calm, you're beautiful how you are, Emma. Um, I would always end by listening to R.E.M.'s Falls to Climb, which has this great lyric, um, my actions make me beautiful and dignify the flesh. It's off their 1998 album Up, which is really kind of just soothing and wonderful and underrated. Um, That's great. Those are great choices. um, and calm is calm for me is thinking about my my parents beagles back home, Yona and Lefty shout out. Um, Wonderful, it's dog. it Your is driving <laughs> in my. I realized one of my hobbies is driving in my car. I will sometimes when I need to like recharge, I will just take an afternoon driving up the PCH out here, the Pacific Coast Highway. I don't get right, out. That that's I, a little on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um wait what's that orville peck song where he just talks about driving up the pch 
because that's exactly what I would listen to driving down the PCH. <laughs> that that whole Bronco album is perfect. Manufactured well, serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird because I'm like I'm I'm horrible. I'll like I will not like I'll maybe go out at the end and like walk on the beach for half an hour. But for me, it's the drive and the the motion and the just like sequencing. I love sequencing songs. So I know like Dan said like yeah I'm into some heavy stuff, but I. Sometimes just like the flow of, of how you position stuff and the meanings you can give songs by putting them next to each other. Yeah, yeah I, I I love trying to figure out like what does what does an AFI fan listen to to relax? It's a it's a territory <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with. Davey oh, has a... breathing. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do have an acoustic song, the leaving song part two. And like they do. <laughs> um actually this is the thing I wanted to touch upon. George, I have listened to Fight for your friends. Oh no! <laughs> and you. I, I really love the hopefully maybe probably not EP. That's a good. Thank you. And, I appreciate that. That is lovely. I, and I, I can say impre- this is all very honest. I got these texts totally separate from the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just you know I've been like it's you, you always mention going on tour and stuff, and I was like I want to I want to hear and like it struck me as here's this is. So like I heard it and like I'm you know I'm a Nitro Records epitaph more kind of punk person. Gotcha. I know you're a kind of a scene emo eh, kind of person. I'm of so, my you know, time is what it is. For, yeah. <laughs> um, I and <laughs> how it how your song struck me was, was something I would hear on a Vagrant Records sampler, and it would it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the thing I went to listen to that for, but I would have liked it. Well, thank and you. been like that's that's something I need to check out. Seeing as it all all of the influences for that record were vagrant bands is huge. So thank you so much. <laughs> Speaking of vagrant, because I'm a because you know I'm you like know I love Hot Rod Circuits a uh, Simpsons reference apparently. Yes, it is. Mr. Burns I, says it. I did not know it came from that because I've, I've watched that episode a ton, but I just assumed that that was like yeah, you know the Hot like, Rod Circuits a thing. I didn't realize Smithers, that like, tell them it like came tell from them there. to load in the Hot Rod Circuit or something. I forget what. Burns says, but he's mentioned the Smithers. Uh favorite band of all time. I almost did my uh my three album walk um with uh different side projects of Hot Rod Circuit, but it just wound up becoming the Fred Mascherino extended universe walk, uh <laughs> where it was terrible things, the color Fred and Breaking Pangea. Uh but M, thank you so much. That was uh, I love Breaking lovely. I appreciate you it. also you also blew my mind because I think you guys talked about Under Oath and the Devil Wears Prada and how they're like Christian bands, and that fucking blew my mind. Oh yeah, because those super were like Christian, or they were super. Christian. I knew Under Earth was. Yeah, they're like, and I was like, oh, when they're saying the devil wears Prada, they're saying that as a criticism. Yes. Of, the, of... <laughs> it's it could be very transphobic to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just because kind of, like those were always band names where like I was aware of them, but they were like not part of my scene, or maybe came a little bit after I was like actively finding new bands, and it was, that just fucking blew my mind. Yeah, no, they, uh, I, I think right now Under Oath has sort of shed their Christian faith to be like, why is it that every time, I think they said in like an interview, it was like, why is it that when the singer was suffering from addiction, every Christian band would tell them to like, we'll keep it down and don't tell anybody, but every punk band that didn't believe in God was like, you should talk to someone, I have some friends that you should absolutely speak with, and we want to see you better. And they were like, you know what, this God thing's really not working out anymore. Yeah. Um, 
uh but yeah super super does that make you feel calm there's a whole movement (laughs) luckily i wasn't I, i wasn't raised in the church at all but these were like the popular bands the fact that you know if you go to any emo night across the country, they will play a Reliant K song, and no one will know that in the lyrics, all those he's are uh, are, are capitals. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ugh. I Ugh. hate that band so much. <laughs> I heard a band today that was terrible, and uh, this is not about me, but they're called Seaway, and I'm sorry for any Seaway fans, uh, but they're a Canadian. It's S-E-A, right? S E A W A Y and they're like okay, a yeah, Canadian them, yeah. they're the Canadian power pop version of like Newfound Glory and Man Overboard. I was I was like, "Oh, this, you know, it's got the bounce beat. I I would jump up and down at Starland Ballroom to this." <laughs> uh and uh and then they started singing. I was like, "These lyrics are terrible." Like I stopped mowing the lawn and came <laughs> inside and told Casey, I was like, "This band is terrible." <laughs> The right half of our yard's gonna grow today because I can't do this. <laughs> no, no, uh, I had to clear out a bunch of uh, of uh, of leaves because they were molding. Anyway, uh, calm music. Yeah. So aside from music, unless you want to keep going down that path, what's uh, what's the calming experience? Uh, well, I think if you look at my Instagram, it started out as I for I had a, something real horrible happen to me a few years ago. And I kind of stopped doing sketch comedy and I needed something to fill that time. So I started fucking around in MS paint and making these weird drawings where they had to be so weird. They're so (laughs) weird. They're on my, a lot, some of them are on my Instagram page, but like for years I would just sit there for hours and like, I couldn't, I couldn't be trying to draw something and it just had to be this weird instinctual thing. And I hope to someday have like an outsider artist exhibit of these weird MS paint drawings. You know, the strange thing, it's come up a lot on Blanket and Covers because it, it kind of moves into that territory a lot. But it's a lot of kind of like the modern lo-fi bands. Their album art is kind of what you're doing. There's a lot more like kind of clip art cut and paste than what you have. But it's like there's you, you were like ahead of a movement here. Yeah. Well, I was like, someone's going to do this. But yeah, it's yeah, just like any kind of like art therapy is such a fucking real thing. I um oh I mean I, I feel like reach one like this shit that I make rip ripping I, up construction paper and gluing it back down upstairs. into something I'm That's trying true. to get a frame for it I'm very excited about it it reminds me of that one Algernon Caldwaller album <laughs> and it brings me a lot of joy oh uh, it's it's the character from uh uh the importance of being earnest I think and uh and oh, there was like a midwest... i've had that recommended to me numbers of times yeah there, there was like <laughs> a midwest times. emo band that just took that name and made it an album and it's very very fucking like <laughs> you know midwest my emo. brain just said to me the importance of being dorian gray <laughs> yeah that's right you got it that's what it is now <laughs> get that picture <laughs> uh, oh, but calm calm is such an important thing that i need to practice more because i don't know it's a tough uh um discipline to to try to be calm and stuff i just recently spent the weekend with my family and, and i love them to death <laughs> but they're they're a bunch of loud long island long island catholics so they're just it's, it's a lot <laughs> and to to find your center and be like just to exit to the left of them and just sort of be in a chair outside of their little circle. And then all three or four of them will go like, oh, George, be an antisocial. Oh, you just go over mm. there. You're just not talking, <laughs> huh? Is that what she's doing? 
I'm like, no, yeah, enjoy, enjoy yourself. I need a moment. <laughs> and... You know where the the calm comes in for me because I I've had that experience a number of times. You've you've both met most of my family at this point. They're they're loud and in your face, and they want you to be part of everything. And they go, oh, you're you're not doing it. And I just go, yeah, <laughs> like, just yeah. just brute. Brute honesty. <laughs> what 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 I'm creating, mom, is a boundary. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm gonna need that from you. And if you cross it, I'm gonna kill you. Uh so <laughs> to stand what, your ground situation. <laughs> what I've been trying to as I continue to meditate and think about calm is my kind of guiding ethos of the past year, as I'm trying to like make my life happen, um, is trust things will work out. And because last year I was in a bad job at one of these big studios and it was keeping me from stuff and I didn't have another job lined up, but I'm like, so I just, I left it and I trusted things will work out. And now I have this pretty sweet gig where I just deposit checks all day and I have freedom of the brain. Yeah. That's so important. I, 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 I think every human in their life has, has a moment like that where like they free themselves from the rules that they created um or like the expectations that people had of them uh and and you get five or six of them in your life and they're always these like you know sign posts uh you know i i was about to just live in Asheville, north carolina for the rest of my life working like three jobs to make ends meet and then just a series of events happened and i chose the like on paper most obvious wrong choice like i'm gonna live in my friend's basement in northern new jersey and i'll figure it out and i'm so happy i did because just the series of events that happened after that decision was made has made my life exponentially better day by day Uh, and it's such an important thing for people to do and i'm glad that like you 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 found one of those moments and i'm sure there's other ones throughout your life uh dan has no inner thoughts so he doesn't have any Nope. Um, but nope, he's just existing I, I and everything has flow. gone well for him. <laughs> Dan, um, can I compliment you? If you must. <laughs> you are one of the kindest, most positive people. And whenever I'm being like grumpy or like snarky about something necessarily, like sometimes I'll think about you. And that makes me feel great. You helped me. Be yeah, better... we can tell, Dan. <laughs> from the, I feel from that good. response. This feels nice. No, Dan, well, it, genuinely a couple days ago, uh, we had a podcast set up and I was like, can we not do it? Because I feel I feel the need to try to prove that I'm an artist and go do stand-up and, and this is the day that it works and I'm sorry, but is that possible? And instead of being like, no, man, we do a show or or like, that's really inconvenient. You're like, yeah, no, that makes total sense. You should absolutely go do that. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it's helpful to have that person in your life because there's so much negative self-talk in a lot of people's heads that we need a Dan Getz every once in a while. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I think on my Facebook profile for years, I had a quote from you was uh, my opinion on movies is yep. that I like them. <laughs> yeah. Dan reminds me a lot. And maybe this is, I don't know if this is past your guys, uh, your, your, your age group, but um, it's uh it's a scene. Settle from, down. <laughs> no, it's a scene from uh, uh, fairly odd parents uh, where I know that. Show. Yeah. But like Timmy wishes he has no emotions. And it's, <laughs> yes. It, it is hot, hot, 
like love interest is like kisses him on the cheek and goes, "How do you feel about that?" And he goes, "I do not. I do not." <laughs> and that's that's how I understand Dead gets emotional stability. He's like, no, there's nothing here. There is. There's stuff here. Click clacking away. But ooh, you gotta you gotta shake that spray paint can so hard to get anything out of it. I'm so good at talking about it in the moment but I'm not great at showing it ever. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's like, tell me exactly how you feel right now, I can describe it. Mm-hmm. But like, it really will just never show on my face. It's like, a, it's like the duck on the water kind of thing. We're like, I don't know, the feet are going nuts, but like, it's just floating. I, uh, I, I always like to remember the one, not the day we met, but like our first date, let's call it that. Where uh, where you did show emotion on your face because we drove home from the Reggie and the Full Effect show. Oh, in in fucking silence. Yeah, <laughs> that was a lot to process. What about it was a lot to process? Like, um, started he, talking about accusations that yeah, were put he, against him. He had openly recently been on outed stage. as a creep. But yeah. neither of us knew that going in. Like, that's how recent it was. And most that, of like, the fans didn't either. Yeah. I was actually trying to read up on that this afternoon because I knew I was going to bring up music. And I know that's one of Dan's touchstones. Yeah. Haven't been to so that church in a remember, <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. I couldn't find any. Like, well, I guess, it could, I guess he scrubbed it. I don't know. No, I don't think it, it's scrubbed. It never really got... Yeah. huge because i mean he's in a lot of big bands but he himself is not like a super known entity so like yeah. it just kind of came and went there was there's probably a big reddit post out there still it was there for a while that people mm-hmm. just keep adding to of like he's a bad person but like none of them are like the worst kind of creep but they're all just like he's just generally bad yeah he does not know. I, I equate it to, and this is not an ex- uh, excuse, but it's like when you hear about uh, like, you know, Iggy Pop dating a 14 year old in the 60s. It's like it's excusable. This is what this is when you pull the audio and that's the only part that you hear. Yeah. Um, that's just going to be the whole episode. Yeah. It's going to start with plugging a <laughs> Kickstarter and that. <laughs> and then me defending uh, gross shit. Uh, but in the 1960s and 70s like that wasn't unheard of and also Iggy Pop has the IQ of a 14 year old he's just dating within his IQ um <laughs> i feel like it's the same thing where he's like he's a creep because he's never surpassed 16 year old boy in bedroom uh yeah. and that's not an excuse you need to learn to be better when you're in your 40s <laughs> Yeah, and like he was talking about like private conversations he had with people who were mad at him and was just kind of like super dismissive of their feelings. And it was just like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, I think he said, like, Matt Pryor, like, we're, he's supposed to be my best friend and he's not my best friend. And I'm like, yeah, because yeah, you're being to, awful. <laughs> to further prove my um, feel feelings fandom, I thought it was funny. You guys were talking about, I think, George, you mentioned you have a record jail in your closet. Yeah, we have record with, jail. And you think you mentioned Ryan Adams and Ryan, Ryan Adams, Adams in record jail. <laughs> uh, the whole Ryan Adams thing, that was sort of something that happened. That article was sort of what I kind of based some of, because there's a scandal and monster in the closet in my play. Mm-hmm. And I kind of built some of it around that, where it's based around texts and kind of stuff that's like not outright criminal, 
mm-hmm. and stuff. And I thought about a lot about I have a playlist for the play, and it starts with Ryan Adams, and then it goes into Phoebe Bridgers. There you go. <laughs> Play some of my calm music, and I don't know. It's, it's fucking... I, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I was a huge Ryan Adams fan. I was like, I am basing all of my future musical endeavor on how this person writes songs and produces songs, and I want to get the amp that he uses because that's the correct amp. Like, just head over heels. I was like, no, this is this is it. Uh, and I remember about a week and a half before the article went live that uh, I was taking the bus into New York City. And if you guys uh, don't know at home, uh, the bus terminal for New York, Port Authority, drives past the New York Times building. And you can see people's offices. And I remember like listening to a Ryan Adams song and seeing all these little green post-it notes on someone's window. And I just thought like, oh, I wonder what they're writing about. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just this like whole moment of like, oh, what's going on in there? Crazy. It's like this huge, uh, huge, um, uh, you know, publication that's probably doing really good work. And then a week later, that story came out and I was like, that's what they were talking about. <laughs> You know, I kind of find that calming, most of that experience, until you get to the horrible part of, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kind of zoning out and putting putting yourself in somebody else's place for a second. Mm-hmm. And, like, you get to kind of craft a story around a stranger and, like, just live somewhere else for a while. That's Nothing better. Nothing better calming. than doing that on public transportation because you are completely at another person's will. Yeah. You know, it is. Tracks have been laid out. Roads have been made. But... You're not in control of how you're getting there. Speaking of other people's will, should we see how other people feel about well, calling I guess, but I'm having such a that lovely a time sentence. talking. <laughs> we actually got a good response this time. I wrote that. <laughs> totally original. <laughs> Pixar, don't sue us. <laughs> Guys, stop calling attention to it. <laughs> People do sound like parodies all the time. I'm like, guys. <laughs> it's my favorite genre. <laughs> <laughs> sound like parody. There was one for a while that was uh it was that flaming lips, the yeah, 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 that song, the yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. But it was just something that Basically, just like changed the key and didn't say words. Just kind of played it like instrumentally along with like what he was doing vocally, and just never gave it any credit. And I loved it. It was so funny to me. <laughs> it's like we all know what that is. <laughs> all, right, all right. What did the people say? First one, edibles. Oh no, I had a panic attack. <laughs> we talked about it on the episode already, but god damn it, edibles are no longer are no longer common doozing. Bad news. Drugs are you know bad. What? I'm going full Nancy Reagan on this, actually. <laughs> no one's allowed to do drugs anymore. <laughs> I no! went to Jersey. I went to Jersey. <laughs> Get him out of here. This is a drug-free zone, Dan. Well, I'm actually, um, like, debating right now whether I'm going to, like, go buy drugs after this, because I live in L.A., and there's, like, a block away from me. <laughs> I can right. get I mean, still I daytime in, where you I are. live in New Jersey. I live <laughs> I live a, a mile away from a drive-through dispensary that is connected to the Bada Bing Club from The Sopranos. 
Wow. They share a parking lot. That's why, I mean, drugs have to be free, so that experience exists. The world needs that. (laughs) But yeah, I think actually, like, weed and edibles, that was my big calm for years, especially Mm -hmm. with pandemic and like needing to be comfortable not leaving my house and feeling like I'm having a good time. So, yeah, edibles. I uh I I wish I did drugs good y'all. I, I wish I did them. Okay. You know, on the, wish, all in the timing. I wish they did the I wish they did things. Yeah. You know what is kind of like excessively calm for me is that that first like real breath after a panic attack where like mm-hmm. everything is working right again, everything's kind of like realigned and it's just like oh wait. There was This is, this is where I'm supposed to be. I, I wish them. I wish it didn't happen so long after, but after mine from from last week that we talked about. Uh, so everybody at home, go listen. Um, but it was uh, like I was waking up to have more panic attack. Uh, oh yeah, that's, that's only, the rough part of a nighttime one. Yeah, I only uh, the only time I felt relief and like felt my like just like shoulders drop was waking up the next morning and even like being embarrassed because like I had family over and like we were supposed to hang out and, and, you know, have this whole moment. And we, I was just like, I gotta go bye. Um, (laughs) but truly the most calm I had been of just being able to hold my chest and go, it's over. (laughs) I mean, there's something about that first thought in the morning too like when you just kind of wake up naturally in the morning you're just like all right i did it again <laughs> we did it we woke up y'all <laughs> we got one more try all right <laughs> all right what else we got here though i absolutely don't do it nearly enough mantra meditation is the rare thing that quiets my nervous mind okay mantra meditation not bad i feel like that's the type of thing where I understand it, so I feel like I know it and can do it without going to a class. And then the class costs so much money that I'm like, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the uh, aspect that makes it worth the money other than... Because like, I, I feel like I know the technique just from people talking about it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the, this one is uh, just an image, this next one. Uh, but you have to zoom in to to see it. It is Paul Rudd in the film Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I don't Some know. Some of my favorite quotes of Paul Rudd's entire career come from that movie. <laughs> is the weather outside his weather? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I my thoughts about movies is that I like them. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up some more. You do you do the next one. All right. Uh, weed. Weed. No. <laughs> no. Uh, the next one we have cuddling my do- with my dog. Thought it would help with my panic attack. Did not. Uh, dog was just upset that Aww. I was annoying him. <laughs> uh, so when life gives you lemons, just say fuck the lemons and bail. Yeah, great, great line from that film. I also loved. Uh, if you get bitten by a shark, you're not just gonna give up surfing, are you? And then he goes, Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever full of just annoying things, but I really like the one section that we're talking about. I yeah. don't think I've ever seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall because I heard Jason Segal's penis was in it. 
Yes, it, it is. is. And like, I right away that was at a point in my life where I was uncomfortable seeing other people's penises. But then I got past that pretty soon afterwards. I don't know why I'm saying this. <laughs> How you feel but, now? But well, then I found out that like fucking what's his name is in it. Um, the annoying guy, There's Russell a lot Brand. Of yeah, Russell Brand. Russell Brand, who broke Katy Perry's heart. And yep. as Dan knows, I'm a huge Katy Perry fan. So that makes sense. Also, I think he was like saying on some TV show that like MSNBC is just as bad as Fox News and fucking probably, but why, why are you making that point? Like there's other things to be fighting for. Yeah. Like, well, sometimes my mom... It all sucks. Sometimes my mom... My mom's on the opposite of the political spectrum as me and I love her. And she's like... Sometimes she's like, um, I'll say something about Fox and she'll be like, yeah, you're off there watching CNN and MSNBC and I'm like, I don't watch news yeah (laughs) yeah they they they. we we have a similar conversation when we go up to meg's parents house because her her dad is as open-minded as you as you can get when you're kind of on the other side of things and kind of stuck a little bit like he's he's a wonderful guy he'll hear you out but he's kind of stuck on that side Mm -hmm. but he talks about like fox news reporting as the underdog and i'm like it's the highest rated channel on television of any genre they're not the underdog they're yeah. selling you an underdog story and you're buying it they're... and making them specifically yeah. not the underdog because you're believing it that's like a couple years ago if the yankees tried to say like oh it's a cinderella story this this world series and it's like now you've won every year this is no, not the, a Cinderella story. The better comparison is Fox News, and I, I would love to just cut this part out and send it to Meg's Yankees fan dad specifically. Fox News is the Red Sox, where <laughs> they have a long history of losing despite millions and millions and millions of dollars. And now they've won four in the last 20 years, and they still try to sell an underdog story when they're consistently one of the highest paid most successful teams in the league that's fox news uh uh that's why i it's why i have decided on this show right now uh go mets i my hope is 100 years from now i'll like be like a head in a jar or something and i'll turn on fox news with my brain (laughs) and um i'll turn on fox news and it'll be foxes like actual animal foxes like they're wearing they like being bro- racist though no yeah. no they're just there's just normal foxes as they are now they're not like super evolved foxes because okay. that wouldn't happen in 100 years but still they're wearing suits and they're at a news desk but they're just hanging out okay <laughs> just spinning as, in circles like foxes. i don't know why this has to be 100 down. years from now but like i don't know it's just oh uh, it's just all so sad and horrible. by <laughs> by no means am i am i uh uh qualified to suggest anything for the uh play that you are trying to produce however maybe <laughs> just work in a scene where you're like do you guys want to watch the news and you just turn it on and it's two foxes at a desk like i'm sure there's fox ranking in la if i oh my god if i fucking ever get to do anything my stuff's gonna be full of stuff like that just can't wait Boxes. I will make that cartoon to put on a TV and a thing Well, I also, <laughs> if I, I, I keep wanting to like write like an animated children's thing, like a feature or a show, and my one pitch is Inside Raccoon about a raccoon who like dreams of being an inside pet. I like that and... a lot. I'm already crying. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> beautiful. That's, and that's what I want. <laughs> 
That's what it's I, a lot I like Over the Hedge the movie, but not Over the Hedge the comic, which is actually really, really funny. <laughs> uh, let's do like uh, two more. I see we have one from Enemy of the Show. Yeah, he says, casual acquaintances loving me. So uh, this show's not making him calm, I guess. Nope, not at all. I want to show not casual. Them. We're really good friends, Glenn, and I hate you. <laughs> is this Glenn Tinkle? It is Tickle, Glenn yes. Tickle. Tickle. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's even funnier of a last name. I'm kid. I love him. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm on a show with him two days ago when this comes out. But oh, this weekend how'd at it Music go? Fest. It was awesome. <laughs> Although it's the it's a late show at Music Fest, which is uh notorious for people sleeping in the crowd because they've been at Music Fest all day. But that's when you, we'll see that's how when it you goes. just you do a calm set. You do all your jokes talking like this. You do all your jokes like Terry Gross from I have one in the afternoon and it's too late for anybody to see it, but it's for children and families. So I'm looking forward to that one even more. Good luck, bud. You can't do any of that uh dark blue material that you've been working yeah, on. Yeah, I'm notorious for uh, <laughs> all my sex jokes. <laughs> I used to have a bit where every time I tried to refer to sex, I would get stuck and be like, you know, sex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my best man at my wedding used to do a bit in college um, that we all thought was just so funny uh, where he would call it the uh, the 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 sexuals. Uh, <laughs> turns out just a gay man that didn't want to talk about straight sex all the time in college. That's that's why Fair. he would do that. He was. He was you mentioned to your divert the conversation. Impending, impending nuptials. I would like to say congratulations to you and your betrothed. Thank you so oh, much. I Let's you play were that drop noise. The word. <laughs> Why you, uh... say it? Say it. Say it, Em. Come on. Someone say it. Say it. I'm ready. Oh. My fiance. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the power in the show. I've been staring at that this whole time. Like, we didn't do one last week, did we? It's been a minute since I got to click that I button. I was very conscious of the fact that it's a thing, and I was like, oh, I gotta give him a trick him. Thank well, you. I'm glad you waited until almost to the end, because there's one more on here I want to talk about. Uh, hanging Upside Down. Yeah. Which uh, comes from when we were on vacation, and... This does not sound like a calm thing when I describe it, and I did not realize that until I tried to describe it to everybody I worked with when I came back from vacation, where all the couples, because it's uh, my sister and her boyfriend, me and Meg, my brother and his wife, and my parents, everybody's responsible for one activity while we're on vacation together. So, like, you can pick a day where you just kind of plan the meals, or you pick an outing, or whatever, like... My sister and her boyfriend did a scavenger hunt on the boardwalk. For Meg and I, we did aerial yoga. And it was amazing. How do you I just heard so areola cool. yoga. Areola yoga. Yeah, you just really stretch them out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great for me. I have huge nipples, Dan. <laughs> and they're only going to get bigger after this. <laughs> yep. Yeah, aerial yoga... When you kind of get to the end of it, and it's at the point where it's just like, all right, you're going to hang upside down. We're going to shoot for like five minutes. And you're like, do I want to be upside down for five minutes? And like, after the initial like blood rush to the head part, you're just like, whew. And you just like dangle there. And it feels so relaxing. There's like no pressure on any part of your body, really. 
I'm picturing you on like those big silk ribbons, but I guess that's not it. Um, let me see if I can get a a picture up quickly here. I texted it to the people that I work with because we have a a similar apparatus in our classroom, and I was never allowed to go on it. And I sent them a picture of me hanging upside down, and I said it's probably for the best. I could never use it. <laughs> can you see it? That's me hanging upside down. Look at you. I think your phone's just turned upside down. And... Yeah, prove it. He's ready to. He's <laughs> Wait, ready his to hair fight. Is, his he hair is, is sticking straight up. That's is, okay. He's got a lot Dragon of Ball Zing. He is just. <laughs> it's over nine thousand. <laughs> yeah, the hat on the ground behind me is all for the illusion. <laughs> but I, I did want to say that one because that was one of the only times where I've done like an exercise class and was like, I could do this again. I always feel self-conscious in an exercise class, but this one was like, I was able to just kind of like disappear into my own head for a little bit, and it was very calming. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what I would love to do again is to have Emma back on the show. Emma, thank you so much for oh, doing this. You, 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 George. It's lovely to meet you. Seem like and now that you've been person. here, you can come back all the time. I've been yeah. putting this off for so long because you, you had stuff to promote, and I was waiting for it. And now you can just come back whenever you want. I'm actually thinking of funneling people for my show to <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Please. Please. <laughs> I'll I pretend mean, that this is this is my Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. I mean I I I'm not kidding. One hundred percent do that. I would yeah, love I some, to I'm have so tired of talking to Philadelphia comedians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. break, breaking out of the territory a little bit is always fun. And yeah. my but, friend yeah. Griffin, her show will be in New York on November tenth. Is it really? Yeah. Because your praise has been so constant and effusive it's... that I'm like, if it ever comes this way, I'm going to see it. So fuck if it's still be the week after my show, but like, yeah. But anyway, we'll talk more. Thank you guys so much. This has been so fun. This has been great. Thank you again. Uh, and we're out of here. Roll clip. Bye. <laughs> Feel Feelings is a Wasted Robot production. Editing done by Dan Getz. Music by George Bruderman. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FeelFeelingsPod and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm backslash feelfeelings. If you're ever feeling any heavy emotions and feel like there's nowhere to turn to, please don't hesitate to reach out to us or to any of the resources in the show notes. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts. Lord, such a professional show! <laughs>